Welcome to episode five of Beyond This Earth, season three. And on this episode of Beyond This Earth, we talk about genomics. That's mRNA, CRISPR, and genome function research. What is it all about? And you're going to find it out in the first two segments. Then a very important message based on a YouTube video from the Critical Drinker in the final five minutes that showcases what has gone wrong, not only in entertainment, but in the rest of our society and civilization. Plus, the elections have just passed. Critical race theories suffers is a defeat and lots more space news. All that and more on today's episode of Beyond This Earth. This is Beyond This Earth. Welcome to Beyond This Earth, Episode 5, Season 3. This is Nova Hollerback. That's Hollerback! This is an important episode for all of you folks to realize and conceptualize the situation that we are all in concerning this virus, the world event crisis, and everything related to such. What we're going to spend on these two segments is going through as simple and as plain as possible what MRA technology is, how it's related to gain of function, how it's related to CRISPR, how one influences another, and the realization of what this vaccine is with recent reports that have come out and recent studies that have come out. It's similar to the updates I did around season two, last season, concerning the pandemic and the subsequent issues surrounding such. So, first off, I want to get to what is MRNA. But before we even get to what MRNA is, we have to get into what RNA is. Before we have to get to what RNA is, we have to get to understand what DNA is outright. So, D-ribonic acid. We know what that is. We should have heard it in high school when we weren't looking for pretty girls and whatnot, which is fine. Doesn't matter. But it matters in this particular case when it comes to what we were supposedly supposed to learn in high school. D-robonic, ribonic, ribonic nucleid acid, DNA, is a molecule that you're already familiar with. It contains the genetic code. It is an essential molecule that is the foundation for the central dogma 
interesting that they call it dogma or biology or the sequence or events necessary for life to function. DNA is a long double-stranded molecule made up of bases located in the cell's nucleus. The order of these bases determines the genetic blueprint similar to the way that the order of letters in the alphabet is used to form words. DNA's words have three letters or bases long, and these words specifically code for genes, which is in the language of the cell, is the blueprint for proteins to be manufactured. Now to read these particular blueprints, the double helical DNA is unzipped to expose the strands individually and an enzyme translates them into a mobile intermediate message. This message is called ribonucleide nucleic acid RNA. The intermediate message is called messenger RNA, mRNA. This particular mRNA is then transported outside of the nucleus to the molecular factory responsible for manufacturing proteins called the ribosome. Here, the ribosome translates the mRNA into another three-letter word. Every three base pairs designates a specific building block called an amino acid, of which there are 20 of these. To create a polypeptide chain that will eventually become what we know as a protein. The ribosome assembles a protein in three steps. During initiation, the first step, transfer DNA, RNA, to a specific amino acid designated by the three-letter code in the ribosome. In the second step, elongation, each amino acid is secretly connected to peptide bonds forming a polypeptide chain. The order of an amino acid is crucial to the functionality of the future protein. Errors in adding an amino acid can result in disease. Finally, during the termination phase, the completed polypeptide chain is released them from the ribosome and then is folded in its final protein state. Proteins are required for the structure, function, and regulation of the body's tissues and organs. And their functionality is seemingly endless. Human cells nearly make 100,000 different types of proteins, each with its unique measured RNA sequence. Okay. Now we have initiation, actualization, termination. In the actualization phase, if they get it wrong, in that actualization phase, disease starts popping up, okay? That's what we know about RNA, rRNA, and mRNA. That's the measure of basic protein, okay? That's how it's produced naturally. If you completely understand where we're going at, 
Now, let's get to how scientists try to make this MNRA into a way to solve the problem of vaccines and vaccination. Now, here's how they went about it in the 1960s and 1970s. This mentioned their RNA. Since we start, since DNA was discovered in the 1950s, we started to figure out how would this set up, how does uh, DNA set up into figuring out how things work and all the rest of it. The Messner RNA or mRNA were discovered in the early 60s. Now the research into how it could be delivered into cells started in earnest in the 1970s. The first mRNA flu vaccine was tested in mice in the 1990s. And the first mRNA vaccine for rabies were tested in humans in 2013. The biggest challenge for mRNA will be taken up by the body and quickly degraded before it could deliver this message. The mRNA transcript and to be read as proteins in the cells. The solution to this problem came in advances in nanotechnology. I want you to listen very carefully to this. The solution to this problem came in advances in nanotechnology. The development of fatty droplets, which are called liquid nanoparticles or glyso-liquid nanoparticles that wrapped this particular type of messenger DNA, the fake messenger DNA, RNA, into a bubble, which allowed entry into the cells. Once inside the cell, this particular message could be translated into proteins. And then the immune system will be primed to recognize the foreign protein. The first mRNA vaccines were developed against the deadly Ebola virus, but that virus is only seen in limited of African countries. It had no commercial development in the US. Okay, so all they're saying basically here is that they use a they use nanotechnology basically in order to create this lipid. It's a fatty lipid. It's basically fat inside this structure. And inside the structure is the mRNA. Now, let's go to how this vaccine combines what they have learned with the other with the other vaccines with Ebola, with rabies, and with the other tests they did with the mRNA vaccines in rats from the 80s onto the present day. Let's explain how this particular vaccine, according to both Moderna and Pfizer, works. This is how the RNA vaccine works. In simple terms, as we as 
I explained earlier, and this research is now saying, RNA is the software that runs the cell. It carries information from the genes, the DNA, to the factories that make the proteins, the key building blocks of life. This type of vaccine, the mRNA vaccine, is essentially a code that when it enters a cell, tells it to make it a specific protein. For this particular pandemic, that is the spike protein that normally sits on the outer shell. Like a fragment of a virus you find broken down in soapy water, they are themselves harmless. Be careful with this word because I'm gonna, we're gonna talk about other aspects of this that are related to this, that show this, this may not be as harmless as this particular researcher says it seems. However, the body recognizes these proteins as foreign and it learns how to fight them next time when the real virus turns up. But mRNA is only one form of RNA. There's myriad other types of RNA, many of which we fought to be jumped but are not recognized to play key parts in how cells works. Then they explain all sorts of things about the mRNA and all the rest of it, you see. But basically what they are saying is, it's pretty much they use the spike protein of the SARS-CoV-2 and cov And the issue with this particular vaccine is that the lipid and then the spike and then the spike goes into the receptors. Understand? The spike goes into the receptors, the open receptors. Then they believe that the body knows that it is foreign, that the next time anyone exposes with the real virus, it can counteract it, knows that it's COVID and flushes it out of the system. But however, there were concerns about this lipid nanoparticle into the brain. What is going on with certain aspects of this vaccine and the MRIA heading into people's brains? The article from Shilin Young states this concerning the current vaccines that rely on spike protein. The Pfizer BioNTech vaccine and the Moderna treatments consist of an mRNA genetic material case in liquid nanoparticles that confuse with muscle and immune cells upon ejection. This particular mRNA once released then instructs the cells to make spike proteins. This is big here. It tells them to make the COVID spike proteins, not the actual virus, which then are expressed in the cell surface to trigger various aspects of the immune system. So it wants to trick them and say, if you see this particular spike protein, it is foreign, attack it. But 
what a lot of people are seeing is there's other information that the body is looking for. It just says spike protein, find it. The AstraZeneca, Oxford, and the Johnson & Johnson Androviral Vector Vaccines use a harmless modified antivirus to deliver DNA into the cell to make, again, spike proteins to induce immunity. The Novavax uses a protein cement vaccine uses purified spike proteins of this particular coronavirus to induce immunity. The Sinovac and Sinopharm inactivated vaccines uses what is considered to be dead SARS-CoV virons with the spike proteins to induce immunity. I will get to issues with that particular virus concerning what Carl Denninger has found out about it later on. Here is the hypothetical risk according to Ching Yi Young that was done on March 19th of this year. The MRA vaccine, the treatment is injected intermuscularly through the arm, as we know all these other things. The NLP views and maintain mammalian cells easily. The Mondera vaccine uses uh, liquid nanoparticles to encapsulate the MRA genetic material. Thus, the combined intramuscular injection and NLP technology will enable that particular treatment to reach a broad range of cell types. It might even reach delicate cells or places we don't want them to, such as neurons in the brain and spinal cord. In fact, the NNLPs are used to overcome the problem of the BBB blocking medical drugs entering the brain. Given that the BBB and blood spinal cord barrier are liquid lipid soluble, this particular type of nanoparticle encapsulated vaccine treatment might be able to enter the brain and spinal cord. As a result, brain cells that express the spike protein might be marked as foreign by the immune system. Cytotoxic T cells with killed virus infected and cancerous cells might see the spike protein expressing in the brain cells as a threat. Unlike muscle cells and other cell types, neurons in the brain rarely regenerate. A geneticist named Jacob West Ohm stated in January 2021 in the British Medical Journal, it seems that mRNA treatments can enter a much broader tissue range compared to annotated virus vaccines. And since the mRNA vaccines will induce this particular SARS-CoV-2 protein expression, that means that those that got the vaccines are going to have a greater range of cells and tissue vital to cytochrome storm attacks with side effects that may not manifest for years with cumulative damage and chronic inflammation. A nightmare scenario that with these particular treatment nanoparticles, indeed crossing the blood-brain barrier and getting endocycles into critical glacial cells like 
even work neurons themselves in the brain and spinal cord, putting a bullseye for these critical cells for cytokine storms. In fact, one study in 2017 vaccinated mice against this particular influenza virus with the lipid encapsulated MRA vaccine. It immunized the mice. They found traces of this particular MNRA in the brain at 0.4 milliliters. However, the amount of MRA found in the muscle chest and site were much, much larger. Then some say it may not be a problem that certain studies also said it may not be a problem that it mostly concentrated into the liver. Then another study said that the vet mostly stayed in the muscles. A 2009 study said that it only entered the liver most, mostly by the means the muscles. Then the protein expression only lasted eight hours and then declined. Then other vaccines entered into my sphere via routes. Most of them were gone in the first 24 hours and mostly gone by day six. The formulation of these particular vaccine treatments for the Pfizer treatments and the vaccines for Moderna are they the same of these particular studies that said the other types of MRA vaccines don't? last too long and they just get flushed out that is unknown but we see a trend in these studies that these particular injections tend to take the mra into the muscles liver spleen and lymph nodes this is important we're going to talk about what carl denninger found recently and it is very shocking and then he continues with all of these particular things with this particular lip nose. Not to be outdone, King Batsu posted certain things about the MRA vaccine, especially concerning these particular injections. He did this on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. It states the following from the first post. The MRA injected in these vaccines ends up everywhere, as I have mentioned earlier. Easily passing from the interstellum to the bloodstream and across the blood-brain barrier. MRA technology has been around for a while, said these, these particular things as well. But in that particular picture quote that he has on Twitter, but it also meant like other, unlike other vaccines, which has their particles taken up by normal lymph flow and ends up in lymph nodes local to the site of the ingestion when foreign antigenic molecules are processed by dendritic cells and stay within the extracellular space. Otherwise, outside and in between these cells, interse the intercellum. The MRA injected in these vaccines ends up everywhere. 
easily passing through the intercellum and into the bloodstream and across the blood-brain barrier, which we have mentioned before. Compared with getting a virus, the virus is only able to bond and enter some cells, injecting their genetic material and taking over production of these particular viruses. It is limited to cells displaying molecules as the virus capable of binding to. In, in case of SARS and COVID, this is a molecule called ACE2. The ACE2 needs to be curved in order for that virus not to enter into your system. In normal vaccination, only the dendritic and a few other immune cells, which are designed to ingest and deal with the antigenic molecules, ends up with viral proteins in them. But specific cells <coughs> are part of the immune reaction that ends up with long-term and robust immunity. With mRNA vaccination, the agention in the deltoid most of the time is in the is in the deltoid most of the time that's the muscle but the particles of the mra move easily in and out of cells across the biological membranes any cell subsequently with ribosome in its ribosomes that come in contact with the exogenous that's the fake mnra will start to produce the altered SARS-CoV-2 spike proteins that the mra instructs for in normal course of cellular function, the master copy of your build operating instructions as a page or chapter as needed in order to send out to factories with read and build proteins according to them. So they were talking about all these other things as well. So what it also means here is that that means people that who end up with persistent neurological or cardiac side effects from these particular from these particular um, vaccinations, treatments, may have them for years until most of the signs standing at the cell is making the spike protein are broken down. This is what it states here. Up until now in human history, you can only end up with antigenic, there's things that set up immune response molecules displayed within the immune system or subsets of cells. Either a virus infected your cells and only a virus could attach an empty a tiny number of overall cells in your body, such as the SARS-CoV-2 and cells that display H2 in H2. Or you could get cancer, which is simply one cell that grows over and over. Outside of that, antigenic molecules would immediately get destroyed by natural killer T cells or will be collected through lymph and processed out through the dendritic cells, through lymph tissue, no, through the nodes mostly. These particular cells look like massive tree root systems and all they do is process foreign material and display it on the major histocompatibility complex. That is the molecule complex that acts as the signs of the city limits outside what is going on inside the cell to the outside world. Continues here. Back with what they're doing with injecting these lipid-soluble MRA particles into people's bodies, layering them all throughout tissue, depending on the individual's weight, lipid protect, liquid hydration, cardiovascular state, anatomy, etc. Whenever concentrations of these end up, you have random cells which starts to produce spike 
altered proteins and displaying them with their signs. The immune system noticed this and starts attacking these areas. As each mRNA vaccinated cell is destroyed, they spill their contents of this particular protein, which is cytotoxic in itself to the localized area. The vaccine makers know the path to immune activation is through the MHC signs and don't address or care about the SS spike protein being made. They want the scientists to say ultra spike protein, but in the background factories that's the ribosomes are churning out actual spike protein with inside the cell. That is how the virus reproduces well once affecting more viral particles constructed inside the cell, but they don't get released to infect other cells until the infected cell is destroyed and they can escape. Once these signs are made permanent, sort of, this is where the analogy breaks down. All the atoms in your body are replaced once a decade. Even your bones are restructured by audio class and osteoblast Every so in its 10 or so years, you have different atoms making up these bones. Even cells that don't replicate or die or die until you do, like neurons and muscles. Muscle cells themselves get bigger when you work out. Mostly, you don't get new muscle cells, although nothing is ever 100%. Constantly replace the constituent parts. The MHC displaying the product the factories are making will stay embedded into the cell wall until that section of membrane is replaced due to the other natural processes, such as endocyclosis. That means that people who end up with persistent neurological or cardiac side effects will have them for years until most of their signs of the stating the cell making the spike protein are torn down. For neurons in the brain, that could be years, not to mention that in the meantime, the immune system is actively trying to kill off those cells, often with huge success. Then he gets into a somewhat of a bit of a conspiracy theory, but I just want to mention certain aspects here. Bankers, government, and corporations saw the opportunity to make hundreds of millions of dollars and quickly grab whatever was on the shelf, dusted it off, and rushed it to market. It's one of the reasons that massive rapid distribution is key. Not knowing that it will happen, it is imperative to get many doses injected as possible. The collective information provided for all the signals will tell a different story. The VAERS database provides the strongest single but is easily ignored to buy these propagandists due to its unverified nature. It will take years to collect the data and produce irrefutable results, which is why the normal process is about six years from a working product. Without these control groups, though, that data will be easy to skew in an interpretation, though. These vaccines has no hope of imparting robust long-term immunity according to this particular person that is in the web, as it were. And effectively long-term antibody to one specific part of one specific strain. You need a broad spread-up of antigenic sites to induce robust and long-lasting immunity. That's why vaccines are more complicated than just reproducing a single bacterial protein and rubbing it on a cut. Although that is that is what the whole dead bacteria scads is where we saw inoculation first work. Whether the vaccines are attenuated. 
destroyed, or dead. The only vaccines that we have ever seen impart robust and long-term immunity are provided a whole host of antigenic particles found in the wild. It's another reason why MRA wasn't a widespread use in addition to the technical problem of a protective coating or cancellation. They just don't work very well and they cannot be called vaccines. Mild androgenous and antibody therapy would be a better description in which this is why they had to change the definition of a vaccine. So this is where we stand. He's not going to vaguely assert some education position authority or access to available information. On the contrary, this particular person, anyone that reads this know what I am talking about. Then he spend all the rest of the time trying to explain all these other things, but he concludes by their nature, these MRA vaccines will only ever produce widespread diffuse and low level specific signals. Every time someone brings up a specific side effect, they won't get anywhere. And the mainstream media will always have the fallback of saying that it's the same without the vaccine providing COVID. What about the rest before? Remember the time no one's allowed to talk about when you could just say things is monocardis is nearly unheard of in children. I hope this helps someone to explain to love the loved one and win them over. As more and more shots are mandated to keep antibody levels high, since when are you supposed to walk around with high antibody levels? That's a sign of infection, not immunity. Antibody and Antibody levels should fade quickly and replace with prime memory cells. These people will lose their jobs and anyone speaking out is silence. People will start to have questions. Then they, he showed a diagram about the arm diagram here and then he continues here. I think I know the summary of and of trying to warn the co-workers at NIH, this person said he works at NIH, about something similar. Madeira's um, animation about how the vaccines work is the story how science got too talky, cocky. In this, in this relational picture, notice how the arm diagram used completely disregards the musculature of people virtualized and the needles as well could have the chance of entering the bloodstream with particles where they could end up anywhere. Second, this particular animation shows that many of the spike proteins from the process will end up in the surface of the cell. Detection of the spike on a normal surface opens the possibility of audio autoimmune reactions in the future. But the scientists saw an opportunity to pass a tech platform that many scientists see as the future that was shut down multiple times by the regulators. Scientific opportunism at all costs. Natural immunity to, is the gold standard for immunity. If that doesn't work, then none of the inoculations or vaccines are any, have any hope of working. When you come in contact with a virus, naturally you are exposed to all possible antigenic sites from inside and outside the virus at all stages as it's developing. One of the keys of inducing immune memory is to get a broad spectrum of antigenic sites. The only way to get this is completely naturally occurring virus. If one is under 65 and not morbidly obese with a serious mobile medical condition, you have no risk and natural immunity is the logical choice, as they said. It is something you have to really think about of how these vaccines work.
But we need to talk about gain of function next and what gain of function is and why a lot of people are saying this particular pandemic was started with the Wuhan lab and the gain of function research and why it was so dangerous. Now, gain of function research, it is the euphemism for biological research aimed at increasing the virulence and the vaffity of pathogens and viruses. This particular type of research is government funded. It's focused on enhancing the pathogen's ability to infect different species and to increase their deadly impact as airborne pathogens and viruses. Ostensibly, gain of function research is conducted for biodefense purposes. So we know what this is, folks. This is for defense of biological warfare. Read it again so everybody can hear. We're all adults. Write it down. Let me repeat it again. Ostensibly, gain of function research is conducted for biodefense purposes. Did you get that down right? Write it down. Write it down. Let me continue. These experiments, however, are extremely dangerous. Those deadly signs and have the pathogens can and do it safe into the community where they infect and kill people. What's more, this line of research can be used for biological warfare. Rumors that Iraq was preparing to use weaponized anthrax as a weapon of mass destruction provided the US government with a justification for the 2003 invasion. For example, in 1992, Merrill Nass, MD, analyzed the characteristics of an anthrax pandemic in Zimbabwe, Rhodesia in 1978 and 1980 and claimed to be a natural occurrence. She demonstrated that the pattern of the epidemic that spread in weather conditions could not have occurred during a natural event, therefore it had to be triggered as a bioweapon. She reported her findings in the quarterly social responsibility for physicians in 1992. Dr. Anthony Fout, wait, those, let me see here. Dr. Anthony Fauci, who has headed the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases since 1984, and played a major role in promoting gain of function research, both in the US and China. Now, hold on here. They stated this one here for Fauci, and he said he argued that the research was worth the risk and entailed because it entailed scientists to make preparations that could be useful when a pandemic occurred. In 2011, controversy erupted when two teams of researchers, one head by Ron Fauci of the Netherlands, another by Yoshio Kawada of the University of Wisconsin and University of Tokyo specifically announced they had modified the avian flu virus so that it jumped from birds to mammals and between mammals. Both research teams were funded by these two particular companies. They used reverse genetics to build a more lethal virus, 
by combining directed mutations and natural selections, suggesting that this variant could be effectively transmitted between humans. And so they showcase all these people that are connected to these particular gain-of-function research and all these other things. So they will also continue with Mr. Dayzak, who had an interview with Scott Pelley a couple time a couple of years ago. So we now know what this gain of research does. That, then they were confused about the terms and the shifting metrics of game of function research. All you need to know is that Obama did not want it in the United States anymore past 2014. Put out a directive said that they couldn't do it for gain of function in the United States, especially in Atlanta, when they had some issues concerning with viruses getting out and then it was started to become a huge problem. And then they said they couldn't handle it here and it wasn't going to be allowed here. So it was pretty much banned in the United States. They moved it to China. China didn't have a good record concerning with keeping viruses in tow. It is very possible that this Wuhan virus went from gain of function to these particular places. And I mentioned some aspects of this last season. Now let's get to CRISPR. CRISPR technologies were first shown, as you know, CRISPR is the technology that helps scientists use proteins to snip data DNA and RNA to snip certain aspects of DNA and switch their codes. It was first shown to use to be snipped DNA in 2011. Scientists can then use to cut DNA strands from very precise locations, enabling them to remove mutated parts from genes from a strand of genetic material. In the past year alone, so dozens of scientific papers from researchers around the world had detailed the results of the studies, some promising, some critical, that used CRISPR to snip out and replace unwanted DNA to develop treatments for cancer, blindness, chronic pain, HIV, muscular dystrophy, and Huntington's disease, to name a few. Although they said it will be a few more years before any CRISPR-based treatments could be tested in people, hardly a day goes by without new publications outlining new findings about human health and human genetics that took advantage of this new tool. So they showed that for cancer, a cure of cancer has eluded mankind since Hippocrates had called the word for disease Cardinos. Then they said in 2016, a lung cancer patient in China became the first of 10 people to receive an injection of cells that had been modified using CRISPR. And then it attacked it like a virus and destroyed the cancer, HIV. 
Researchers at Temple University and the University of Pittsburgh used CRISPR to snip the virus from the cell it was infecting, shutting down the virus' ability to replicate. The use of this technique, which has been used in three different animal models, was the first time that researchers had demonstrated a way to eliminate HIV from infected cells, according to the researchers. Honeygen's disease. In 2017, scientists from the journal Clue Investigation found a way to reverse the disease in lab mice that have been engineered to have a human mutant Huntington gene in place of a mouse Huntington gene. After they did this, the number of toxic fragments decreased in the mice brains and the neurons began to heal. The infected mice regained some of their motor control, balance, and grip strength. Although the performance were not as good as did of healthy mice, the results that the CRISPR could help fight this particular condition. Then, for muscular dystrophy, in 2017, Olsen and his team reported in his journal Science Advances that they used a variation of the CRISPR tool called CRISPR-CPF1 to create, correct the mutation that causes Duchenne muscular dystrophy. They fixed the gene in human cells by going in lab dishes and mice carrying the defective gene. It differs from the commonly used CRISPR-Cas9 that it is smaller, making it easier to deliver to muscle cells, according to the statement from the UT Medical Center. It uses a different sequence of DNA than Cas9, which comes in added in the long dystrophin gene. So that one is used for muscular dystrophy, preventing blindness, chronic pain, Lyme disease. Here's an interesting one. In June 2016, Evel presented solution in the problems of the islands of Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard, which has a major Lyme disease problem. Such mice will not be released on the island, however, until very testing is done, and that could take years. But it seems that there are progress with CRISPR-Cas9. Then it handles Morelia. It modifies crops. It edit a viable human embryo. Folks, I'm going to continue on the next segment of what CRISPR is being used. And then details on this particular MRA vaccine from Carl Deniger. And then to put it all in a bowl, why this CRISPR technology, I said last season, is so important to everything else in our academic and political social sphere that we now live in in this country. Why is this so important? I'll explain it again, and then I will explain what we have now seen, especially with these treatments. We'll be back right after this on Beyond This Earth. Beyond This Earth will continue right after these messages. return you to beyond this earth welcome back to beyond this earth over the holler back here 
what are the two things that CRISPR is now doing that is going to change what this whole argument about vaccines and other treatments and testing for this particular virus is doing. You will not believe this. Remember, there was a report, a news report stating that how were they going to test for these vaccines past the end of this year? Ladies and gentlemen, I have the answer. It's from Science Daily. Two CRISPR enzymes, a COVID diagnostic test can be done within 20 minutes. A research team led by scientists in the labs of Jennifer Duma, David Savage, and Passive Hugh in the University of California, Berkeley, is aiming to develop a diagnostic chest that is much faster and easy to deploy than the PCR. It now combines two types of CRISPR enzymes to create an assay that can detect small amounts of viral DNA within less than an hour. He shared the 2020 normal prize in chemistry for investing of CRISPR-Cas9 genome editing. While the new technique is done in this stage, it rivals the sensitivity of the PCR test, which can detect few copies of the virus per microliter liquid. It's already able to pick up viral DNA, RNA, 30 copies per microliter, sufficient to be used to surveil the population and limit the spread of infections. Several CRISPR-based assays have been authorized for emergency use by the Food and Drug Administration, but all require an initial step where the RNA is amplified so the detention signal, which involves release of a fluorescent molecule that glows under blue light, that's USA, I think that's what they call lucifase, I believe? I'm not sure. It's bright enough to see. While this initial amplification increases the test sensitivity as similar as the PCR test, it also introduces steps that makes the test more difficult to carry out outside of the laboratory. Aside from having an additional step, another disadvantage of initial amplification is that it makes billions of copies of viral RNA. There's a greater chance of cross-contamination across patient samples. The new technique developed by the team flipped this around and says blutes the forensic single, eliminating a source of major cross-contamination. To remove target amplification from the equation, the team imported an enzyme, Cas13, to first detect an RNA, then another type of Cas protein called CMN6 to amplify the forensic single. Cas13 is a general purpose system for cutting RNA. Once it binds to its target sequence guided by a guide RNA, it's primed to cut up a large range of other RNA molecules. Then they use CMCIS to amplify the effects of Cas13. It is an enzyme in the CRISPR family that senses the presence of small rings of RNA and becomes activated to cut a broad range of RNA molecules in cells. The development of this application-free method for RNA detention resulted from a reorientation of research within IGI when the pandemic began to force problems 
of COVID-19 diagnosis and treatment. Ultimately, five lads from Berkeley and two from the University of San Francisco became a project involved in this research project within many with one of within many in the IGI. And then DARPA helped in this particular research. Are you ready for the next big of news here? They are using this particular vaccine, this, this particular Cas9 They're using this particular technology in order to build out a way to cut the RNA or the strands of RNA that causes the COVID-19 to spread throughout the body. They're using Cas9 and Cas13 to do this. They're also using similar technologies with this Cas, with this CRISPR Cas9 13 CMSS and the others, in order to develop treatments to fix things concerning with heart disease and others, in order to make sure these particular things don't infect people. Now, I'll get to what all of this means in a moment, but Paul Deniger found out a couple of days ago. Well, another article from it's Esposé UK. And other report. Well, it's not from Esposé UK, but it's from another place dealing with this research concerning the vaccine. He said, I don't like this at all. According to the PDF report from one of the studies that were talking about the Sinovac vaccine, here we report generation of neutralizing antibodies, consistent alterations in the hemoglobin A1C. Serum sodium pastelgium levels, coagulation profiles, and renal functions in heavily volunteers after vaccination with an inactivated SARS CoV 2 vaccine. Similar changes have been reported in COVID 19 patients, suggesting that vaccination mimic an infection. Let me repeat this again. Consistent alterations in hemoglobin A1C. Serum sodium and potassium levels, coagulation profiles, and renal functions in heavy volunteers after vaccination with an inactivated SARS-CoV-2 vaccine. That's inactive virus. Similar changes have all been reported in COVID-19 patients suggesting that vaccination mimicked an infection. Carl Jenner states that this is bad. This is catastrophically bad. The entire point of vaccination is to evade the bad possible outcomes from infection. 
Unfortunately, what this study shows that a material number of these bad effects from infection came from vaccination as well. That is unexpected and hideous because some of the markers that showed up, including most specifically A1C, A1C did not return to baseline over 90 days post jab. In fact, it remained elevated with some formerly healthy people now in the pre-diabetic category. This cannot be understated to term what it means. Diabetes is arguably the most serious morbid condition you can contract. To take a person with a healthy A1C level and turn them into a pre-diabetic by telling them to take the jab is criminally insane. He says, if you're healthy and does not have any special risks of this particular pandemic, you be out of your damn mind to accept that risk with certainty by taking this particular bad treatment. And if you're converse, the proper response to be played right dead between the coercing party's eyes. Diabetes is that serious, folks. What's particularly ugly is that if you get hampered by a so-called breakthrough infection later in the deteriorations, we appear to be durable, it might as well screw you down the road. Both are serious comorbid factors that increase the risk of getting screwed if you get this particular virus. Now, to be fair, this study is on a whole inactive vaccine. It may not generalize to the actual MRA jabs. We don't know. We don't know. So to evade the rest of this particular outcomes, you deliberately damage the immune response for at least the some period of time against all manner of other things, some of which which are at least as dangerous as this particular virus is. Bluntly put, in the period following taking the treatment, you appear to be at much elevated risk for other infections. Nobody knows if the jab, but if the jabs impair your immune response, at least on a temporary basis, or a month or two appears to be established. Much worse, some of those markers, even three months in, do not return to their former values, specifically electrolyte levels, potassium in particular, A1C, and creatine. The latter two markers for diabetes and kidney damage are extraordinarily serious. They do not return to normal within 90 days implies that the damage from this particular treatment may as well be permanent. A study postulates that it's imperative to consider the long-term potential impact of these treatments to certain medical conditions or to general human health. No kidding especially for an infection that is not certain, and two, if you do get it impeded, you may not get these ugly outcomes. This need to be run down for the MRA and viral vector jabs now. Now, until it is conclusively, this particular crap must be halted. If you if you put a treatment on a single child before providing these things do not happen with the jabs here in America, y'all should hang for it. By own, you know what, between your legs. He becomes more convinced every day that the decision to rats this particular infection and attack it immediately with drugs, guarding natural immunity in the process was the correct choice. This is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Then, coming from a... 
issue concerning with the COVID-19 vaccine. And the Espo's UK article, which Deniger talked about, am I just going to go through some of the basic issues? He says, he states that there were bad batches of the vaccine or vaccines that had more markers for people to get hurt from the treatment than other batches and that it was sent to certain places where one would seem to be more weaker than the others, basically. Now, certain theorists are coming up and saying, we got poisoned. This is basically, we got poisoned. No. They fly up, ripped off his article and are ultimately sued for that since they did it without my permission. But a headline makes it claim that my article actually refused. If you poison certain lots, you get a distribution that was flat except for spikes where you poison them. You will not get a power function for AEs and those that passed away, which correlate with a high degree of coherence. That's not what the data shows. This would never occur for liability under the prep out because the plaintiff's bubble shoved this up. The manufacturer acid so far they could taste it. Several thousand deaths will be a bankruptcy inducing event for Moderna and they take a serious whack at the JJ advisor. The other explanation that is possible, by the way, is intentional suppression of reporting. The problem with that explanation is they will show up both in deaths and injuries and be time-based and post a lot based, which since it is unreasonable to believe that such a policy magically appeared in only certain lots and not others. While this is certainly possible now and gains credits on a forward basis, say from June onward, it's too early to know, it does not square up with that happening back in March and April or for that matter in early summer since the death race plotted with the base of time showing the distribution squares uh, with the original rust of fashion and anyone older than that being the only discontinuity in the series. This was a bad move by the expose. Taking that letter, which he pretty much linked and explained all these other things and said all oh, these things were poison. No, there was no poison. There was bad batches sent to certain places past a certain lot in different states. which should be a serious issue. That's what basically he says, but we have no idea to know which lot, we have no idea to know how bad these lots are because it's not reported and it's intentionally done so. This leads to a recent issue concerning with OSHA and the vaccine. It is not legal for what the Biden's people want to do. The ETS out of OSHA is blatantly illegal. They issued it alone as cause for immediately drafting this particular document. As soon as you publish, the lawsuits will fly 
So let's see how the high priest realize next if they don't drop an anvil on you know who. The uncle, however, isn't voting Gerald's strike, which is entirely legal, legal, I mind you, or the rooftop or the hilltop. OSHA claims this is an emergency and me requires immediate action. However, it wasn't an emergency 11 months ago, nor it was in September when there were many more cases and deaths when they are today. It isn't also one now until January 2nd, directly under a number of industry groups complained about the impact on the holidays. OSHA's regulatory authority is limited to workplaces. OSHA is required to back up their findings with actual science they can't. OSHA admitted that less invasive means exist through their mask and test option and thus is required to issue that if they issue anything. This particular civil rights act does not give you the right to murder others. As such, OSHA cannot mandate a jab of an alternative that is less intrusive, which they admit to is deemed acceptable. They deem it acceptable, acceptable, and effective. Their mandate falls on their own hand. That's the basic issue here. OSHA further cannot mandate you to play Russian roulette to keep a job, nor they cannot mandate an employer to force you to play Russian roulette, even if they assert there's some other risk by mitigating for you to do so. In short, OSHA must demonstrate one that the risk is unique or concentrated into the workplace, that an ETS is emerging and extinction, not one of convenience or pretextual. This will all go up in smoke. It's just another threat by Biden and his boys, this time aiming employers with the huge threat of fines if they push back. But you as an employee have all the power. No hospital runs without nurses. Garbage is not picked up without garbage men and women. Fires are not put out without firefighters, nor traffic hunters are attended to and the jaws of life don't operate themselves. The employers that go well along with this is an equal partner with Biden and his people and his lawless order. His correct answer is to lock the doors, lock everyone out, lay them off, and go home. You provide the labor, OSHA has still far to do this within their enabling laws for the reasons numerated above. Biden's people have admitted they do not have the authority to issue this sort of ruin using OSHA as a pretextual workaround. Ladies and gentlemen, last season, I talked about CRISPR and the technologies that we're doing. And why is this connected to everything that we're about to talk about with these elections, CRT, and the whole lot of it? You saw the things they could do with this CRISPR technology. The one thing I want you to focus on, ladies and gentlemen, is the in vitro thing with CRISPR. I want y'all to think about it real deep. And I want you to understand what they found out that changed everything for, the, for everything in the left, basically. Academica, everything since 2012. It changed everything. I said the CRISPR technology was the technology that was going to bring about the transhumanist movement in this world. And there is nothing, very little people could do about it unless they handled all these genomic technologies and make sure they were under control. 
Here's why I'm trying to get at and why I'm trying to explain why I say this is so huge and especially with these vaccines and especially what I said for weeks and months during last season. I stated that we are about to be disconnected from the genetic moorings of humanity. We're about to be disconnected completely. I said that CRISPR is one of those particular areas that we are going to get disconnected from these moorings. I have also stated that this particular virus may be the catalyst to the lead-in to that disconnection from our genetic moorings. When I said about these particular vaccinations and all the rest of it, I'm gonna tell you something very dark. It's three things. One, could it possibly be that they need to make CRISPR what they consider the God particle, the biological singularity that will bring about the political changes that the left wants. Has anybody thought about this? Or I'm the only one thinking about and observing it and seeing it for what it is. If that is the case, y'all in bigger trouble than y'all realize. What if I told you that the MRA technology that they put out there is going to be used as a way to bring about CRISPR to solve the problems they weren't supposed to solve. That is, they're going to use CRISPR as a way to gut you motherfuckers clean out your money, pensions, and everything. If you wanna live, take this CRISPR drug. If you wanna work, take this CRISPR drug. We know that we fucked up on the vaccine. Let's take this CRISPR drug. Singularity, welcome back to humanity. You'll get to live for longer if you take this CRISPR drug. Even though we know that some CRISPR technologies may cause even worse cancers. Or some CRISPR treatments may be able to, may start even bringing about cancers from other particular places or, or, and so on and so forth. What if I told you that this technology was put out there? The CRISPR-Cas9, the CRISPR-CN16, the CRISPR-Cas13, and all the others. What if I told you and the others that they're all building apart, the gain of function research and a whole lot of it, and the things they have said they have genetically audited and all, and so many other things in this genomics technology, this genetics technology, this micro, this nanotechnology, nano micro technology that we are seeing. What if this whole Transgender. I did not say transgender. I said transgender movement. Turf, anti turf, doesn't matter. What if this whole movement 
is the realization that they could change the sets of a child instantaneously with this CRISPR technology. That they have developed a technology that they can basically and almost unilaterally say change aspects of what sexuality is in the womb using CRISPR that a mother who has certain feelings and at some certain way doesn't like men all the rest of it doesn't want to deal with all this can before certain things change if they want to have a child might be able to turn that male before the six-week period into a female using CRISPR technology can you imagine if they may not want to they weren't able to do it could they have effectively be able to change a child who is male into a female with no hormone treatments using CRISPR technology. It can't be done, Novid. No. Bruh! If they can snip out cancer, if they can get certain things with muscular dystrophy fixed, if they could cure this particular virus, which is possibly killed nearly a billion people and is heading northwards towards a billion people. Do you really believe that they won't be able to do this? Imagine a technology that can with the right techniques grow things that should not be growing anywhere in the body. They have built a technology outside of CRISPR, mRNA and all the rest of it that created a alternate universe DNA. That's basically what I said it is. Can you imagine if they use that particular type of DNA to do all sorts of shit that I cannot mention here? One thing about what the left does concerning the way they see the world and the way they want utopia. And I've learned this throughout life and me going through life and it's many discontents is that when a leftist 
all liberal knows that he got this, there is nothing on this planet that will stop that particular person from getting it. That is how they win elections. That is how they are able to change society. Nobody on the right is understanding what the hell is going on. I don't even think Rolo Tomasi knows what type of horrors there are about to come down. But the people in the left, in the right wing, that are in the know, especially dealing with CRISPR, especially some liberals, like Kate Manford, you know him as the guy who doesn't like eugenics, are basically saying with these particular technologies, folks, it's over. They have found the singularity in biology, motherfucker. Stop sleeping. Motherfucker, this is it. They found it. They're going all in and they might win. They might win. They don't promote all of these motherfucking technologies, folks, unless they know that this thing can work 85% of the time. 85% of the time is a game changer worldwide for everybody. One of the things we're beginning to find out about this particular COVID-19 as we end this particular topic today, and we went a little bit over because it is important, is that, have you ever heard of the thing concerning scurvy when we had the years of exploration and colonial expansion with Europe? Scurvy is caused by a lack of vitamin D and vitamin C. More importantly, vitamin C. Once they figured out that they could use lemons in order to conquer their issues with vitamin C, they were able to become more successful and their travels and be able to be traveled longer. Geneticists later found out with human beings that we don't produce vitamin C in healthy, if we don't produce vitamin C at all. We have to get it, we, it's too small. We have to get it from other sources. A lack of vitamin C causes the scurvy. And a lack of vitamin D causes all types of other things that happen to the body. A lot of the Western world and those Eastern countries that have become Westernized and a lot of those who are in different ethnic groups that have come from under the Tropic of Cancer and above the Tropic of Capricorn do not produce enough vitamin D 
in order to maintain a healthy status of life. And they must supplement the vitamin D, otherwise they get sick. The COVID-19 virus in particular attacks both, is taps into a concept of is there vitamin C or their vitamin D. The vitamin D closes the H2 receptor. If it taps in and sees that the H2 receptor cannot be accessed, it passes through. If it taps in and tries to see if there's any vitamin C and does not see and sees there's adequate vitamin C and does not tap into the AC2 receptor for actual vitamin D, the thing passes through. It might get there, you might feel some a little chills or there um moderate symptoms, but it passes through in a couple of days. Three to five. This technology could have been used. CRISPR, mRNA, and aspects of gain-of-function research, and all of these technologies with nanotechnology, nanolipids, all the rest of it, all of this technology could have been used to get human beings to develop a way, genetically and cleanly, to bring, to be able to produce vitamin D at a certain level, and to produce vitamin C on its own in a way that both it can be supplemented and all of it, but it won't cause major viruses or it won't cause something like a COVID-19 to take place. We could have done that. But we're here to play games with sets and a lot of other things that in the end doesn't make any sense. We'll be right back with more Beyond This Earth right after this. Beyond This Earth will continue right after these messages. return you to Beyond This Earth. Welcome back to Beyond This Earth. This is Novid Hollaback. Upcoming episodes of Beyond This Earth, we are going to deal with entertainment in the next couple of weeks, right before the Thanksgiving break. We will be on the 21st, I believe. I believe it's the 20th. Yeah, the 20th will be a day that I will concentrate more on the entertainment side. But next week, we go back to our day, uh, original program. Uh, uh, we're going back to other particular things concerning politics and all the rest of it. We're going to discuss this election and what it means in the last segment. I know the latter two segments were a little long, and I don't want to take too much of your time, but I think the critical drinker has said it best about the entertainment industry and overall in this particular world especially after the pandemic so 
without further ado, the critical drinker on the last four minutes on why modern movies suck and his conclusions on why because they're written by children for children. So why the fuck does this keep happening? What happened to all the adults in the room? Well, from my point of view, there's three different strands to this answer. The first is a simple one. Money. Most effects heavy movies are expensive as fuck to make now, and if your film doesn't rake in a shit zillion dollars, then you might as well start learning to code. You need to appeal to as wide an audience as possible, particularly the younger demographic, which means lots of action, lots of energy, lots of jokes, quippy dialogue, and fast paced storylines that don't demand too much brain power. No time to waste, people. Go, go, go! The second strand is this weird trend towards infantilizing modern audiences, carefully shielding them from anything that could be considered difficult, scary, or threatening. Whether it's public information videos, commercials, or government announcements, everything's presented in this weird, childish, happy, clappy format that looks like the sort of inoffensive crap you'd show to kindergartners. Take this US Army recruitment video, for example. Jesus, take a second to think about the kind of person this video is going to appeal to, then imagine how well that person would do in a fucking war. The final and probably biggest strand is the people hired to actually write this stuff. I've said before that a character is only ever as smart, capable and resourceful as the person writing them, and well, you don't need me to tell you that Hollywood creatives these days aren't exactly paragons of tough, stoic, confident self-reliance. They're the kind of people who consider mean tweets to be on par with mass murder. In fact, most of them have lived the kind of safe, comfortable, sheltered lives that previous generations could only dream of, never experiencing anything even resembling hardship, adversity or danger. The kind of stuff that actually builds character, self-confidence, life experience, and generally makes you a more interesting, capable person. The end result of all this is a generation of writers that are weak, fragile, spoiled, narcissistic, emotional and insecure, completely unable to handle adversity, conflict, masculinity, or anything that challenges their own self-image. In short, they're basically children inhabiting adult bodies, and as a result, they lack the experience and maturity needed to write smart, confident, capable adult characters. And well, look at the results. It's bad enough for people like me, who still remember what quality writing looks like, and now have the dubious pleasure of watching previously smart, mature characters get bastardized, infantilized, and destroyed. But what's even more disheartening is the effect this is having on people who don't have that solid foundation to fall back on. The ridiculous infantile shite that today's writers produce is helping to shape and influence a whole new generation of young moviegoers, changing their perception of what supposedly heroic characters should be and do. And if that's the case, I can't fucking wait to see what happens when they get out into the world. Anyway, that's all I've got for today. Go away now. More Beyond This Earth, right after this. Beyond This Earth will continue right after these messages.
Welcome back to Beyond This Earth. We're now in the election section of Beyond This Earth. I thought it was going to be a bonus, but it turns out it's not going to be one. It turns out that it's going to be pretty much simplified and I just want to make one thing clear. The election, one of the elections is going to be contested. We'll have updates on it throughout the next couple of days and weeks as it follows. We'll talk about that in just a couple of minutes. First off, let's talk about the election that happened in Virginia. The election that is in Virginia for governor. The Republican Greg Youngin defeated McCullough by 50% to 48.4% with Princess Branding at 0.7%. Youngin with 1,669,053 votes to McCullough's 1,588,331 votes. An absolute upset for anybody concerning these issues. I couldn't believe it myself, but McCullough in the early polls that was not connected to the election, but early this uh, a favorable, favorable, non-favorable results were at 52%. Youngkin was supported by Trump. Youngkin ran a unusually effective campaign in Virginia. And the issues that I talked about both with CRT and this particular cover-up in Youngkin County, Longkin County, basically gave Youngkin the Young and um, the governorship in Virginia. That wasn't all in Virginia, mind you. The Virginia Lieutenant Governor were also up. Sears, a black woman who is a member of the NRA, won by 51% of the vote with 1,667,771 votes to Avela by 49%. She had 1,601,827 votes. The Attorney General went for the Republicans. Mieras won by 50% of the vote with 1,658,835 from Herring, who's the Democrat, 49,000, 49% of the vote with 1,613,652. That was not the only amazing race that took place. Even though that the AP 
has called the race for Murphy with 89 precincts reporting, 89% of the precincts reporting, Phil Murphy has a lead of 1,254,349. He has 50% of the vote. Jack Cicerelli with 1,210,68,000. There were several other people in the race. Madeline Hoffman had 77,942. Greg Mell had 6,935. Joanne Klinsky had 3,835. And Rydens had 1,399. Phil Murphy had more votes in the early voting and other voting setups as well as Later vote with later counts, but Jack Cicerelli has stated that he will contest this election and it contests certain districts in New Jersey. When these election results came out, it was a disaster for Biden's people. The only good thing that Biden's people had had so far came with the new New York mayor. New York Mayor Adams is the new mayor of New New York. He won by 61 6,000 676481 to Siwa who had only 28% of the vote with 293 127. What a concentrate under the municipal Poll questions, especially the poll questions that happen in Texas, Minnesota, Pol Cleveland, Albany, Detroit, Michigan, Tustin, uh, Tucson, Arizona, and Broomfield, Colorado. Let's start with Austin, Texas. This is the election results from Austin, Texas. It is a Proposition A. It deals with police policies, a minimum amount of officers, training requirements, and demographic representation initiative. A yes vote supports the ballot initiative to establish minimum police staffing and require there be two officers for every 1,000 residents of Austin. Add an additional 40 hours of police training each year on topics such as after-shooter scenarios, critical thinking, and defensive tactics, and as well provide additional compensation for being proficient in non-English languages, enrolling in cadet mentoring programs, and being recognized for honorable conduct. A no vote opposes this ballot initiative to admit it and establish the police staffing requires there at least two officers for every thousand day and make other changes in those policies stated by the yes vote. The election results goes as follows. Proposition A failed to pass with 1,791 at 68.8% of the vote. The yeses only had 31% of the vote. All the precincts are reporting, so it did not pass in that particular ballot. Now, the voters in Minneapolis said it here with question two. 
to replace the police department with a public of the a public safety initiative. This was connected to the George Floyd tragedy that happened in Minneapolis, Minnesota, which is related to all of these other issues, especially in court cases dealing in Wisconsin with the Kenosha, um, with Kenosha and Mr. Rittenhouse and the young child and the young man, Mr. Rittenhouse and everything else with it. This is the main issue here. This is what they said in question two. A yes vote supported by this particular charter amendment to replace the Minneapolis the Police Department with a Department of Public Safety. Have the mayor nominate and the city council approve a person to serve as DPS commissioner and to remove language from the Minneapolis Police Charter on the police department, including minimal police funding requirements and the mayor's control of the police department. A no vote opposed this charter. Amendment does maintain the existing structure of the police department in the Minneapolis charter. The votes came in with 100% precincts reporting. The Minnesota question two did not pass. Did, did not pass. 80,506 votes against 57 56.17%. The yes votes were 62,813 with a percentage of 43.83%. It was defeated soundly. Soundly defeated. Absolute unbelievable. When I saw this myself, I said, this cannot be serious. They really did this. All the talk, all the day, and all the rest of it, and when it was put to a vote, it did not pass. And guess what? A majority of the votes came from black districts. Oh, Lord. Cleveland, Ohio, Community Police Commission and Oversight Initiative. November 2021. Cleveland issue 24 was on the ballot. It, a yes vote stated that it was supported the amended city charter to make changes to police oversight discipline and policies, including the creation of a police community commission to together with the civilian project preview board to oversee police conduct and investigations and discipline report and advise police community relations and oversee police training and recruitment requirements that the commission be demographically representative to the city and changes to the membership qualifications and requirements for the civilian police review board to include attorneys with experience of defending victims of police brutality, give the mayor instead of the police chief authority to remove board members and require the board's budget to at least have 1% of the police department's budget. A no vote opposed this charter amendment to change provisions to police oversight and discipline, including changes to the structure and authority of the civilian police review board and the creation of that police commission. The election results are in with 100% of the police precincts reporting. It has passed with 32,184 votes. That was a percentage of 59%. 43, the no votes were 
with 21,972 of a percentage of 40.57%. We continue with Albany, New York. Albany, New York, Proposal 7, Community, Community Police Review Board, Authority for Investigations and Oversight in Complaints Against Police, November 2021, a yes vote supports the increase of the authority of the assisting police review board to conduct investigations and have oversight over complaints over policy, a no vote opposes. The precincts reporting are 100%. The election votes are saying that this will pass. Eight thousand, saying 589 votes with a percentage of nearly 70%. The no votes were 3,687 with the percentage of 30%. That will pass. So there will be oversight committees for this particular city. In New York, voters in Detroit, Michigan stated a proposal or a city reparations committee advisory question. The yes vote supported a created a city reparations committee tasked with making recommendations for housing and economic development programs for black Detroit residents. A no vote would go against it. The proposal passed with 72,463. That's 80% of the vote. The no votes were 17%. There's 17,956%. It was 19.86% with all the precincts reporting. Voters in Tucson with a Proposition 286 Minimum Wage Initiative. A yes vote supports amending the city code incrementally to increase the minimum wage to 12.15. From 12.15 to 15 by January 1st, 2025 and increasing it every January thereafter to the nearest multiple of five cents. A no vote opposes. Tucson, Arizona for opposition 206 states that it will pass 44,042 with a percentage of 64.96%. The no's were 23,759 23, with a percentage of 35%. And Broomfield, Colorado, Ann Arbor, Michigan, and Westbrook, Maine wanted to make decisions on rank choice voting. So those ones, I don't have them here automatically, but those were the major votes. But the one that really shocked me was Minnesota. Minnesota. All that talk. It was just talk. The police department will stay. Absolutely. This was a disastrous day for the Democrats. Disastrous. There's no way to slice it. New Jersey? There was a guy that ran for office with only $153. And he beats an incumbent Democrat. Absolutely unbelievable. They couldn't believe what happened. And now 
they're starting to ask questions about CRT, about all these issues with the LGBT community, with all the things that are happening that is going on. It is a gigantic tragedy for the Democrats. And then they start to spin it and say, oh, it's not this, it's all these other things, blah, 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 what have you. Folks, you're seeing it go down bad for the Democrats. This does not look good for the 2022 elections. And it doesn't look like Biden's people have any way of stopping the hurt. They have no way out of it. And it's going to get worse before it gets better. So watch out for that. And we'll have more on the Chitterelli Murphy race as it continues on in the upcoming days and weeks, as I have mentioned earlier. Some of the space news that it will also come up is that the James Webb telescope is about to launch in the next couple of weeks. It will head to one of the Lagrange points and it will start to begin the process of looking around for wondrous new stars, planets even. Maybe we'll find some spaceships flying around these days. But the dirty days that it will do lift off are going to be really difficult. So... Fingers crossed that James Webb will be the ticket for the next phase of human aspiration. Speaking of the next phase of human aspiration, Elon Musk has just revealed a brand new space suit and it's worth $20 million. Speaking of victories for Elon Musk, the U.S. court has awarded the Artemis contract to SpaceX. It's uh, it's crazy. It really is. And then, John Hanks has stated that he might not go to space, not for money, but he wants something else in return for all of that. Jeff Bezos sues NASA and SpaceX, and then he lost. This is connected to the things with the Armist program. And so they're saying that a massive, well, there was a massive solar storm that came around Halloween, but it wasn't that serious. It wasn't majorly serious. And then also SpaceX has finally scheduled the Booster 4 technology after the launcher for Starship 20 and beyond have been completed. They haven't built the launcher. So now they have built the launcher for Starship 20. And from there, they will continue to test the boosters and we'll see where it can go from here. So folks, I hope you learned something today. A lot of things that are important and I hope you really look at the technologies that we're using for space and the technologies you're using for the body how they are interacting and mixing with each other and how 
certain positives have happened in one side and a lot of negatives have happened within ourselves. And this is also expressed in the things that we're seeing and hearing, especially from entertainment to politics and all the rest of it. And it's important for all of us to have a really understand, a real observation of humanity and how it's going to move forward in the years and decades to come. So thank you for listening. Thank you for really being a part of this show. And I do want to send some congratulations to a new number one quote-unquote podcast. I don't call these things podcasts. I call radio shows a number one new radio show that is out there right now. It is done by Comfortably Smug and a couple of other people, such as um, Holmes Josh. It is called Ruthless. It is now the number one conservative radio show on Apple Podcasts. It started in October of last year. It has become extremely popular within that year. So popular, in fact, it has beaten other particular podcasts from much richer much richer men, such as from those from Ben Shapiro, even those from other places as well. It is not a surprise. It's even beaten a lot of the liberal. Of course, it was going to beat the liberal ones. Uh, uh, obviously, obviously. Come on. Even the li- when you call yourselves crooked media, you lose. You lose. So I want to give a humongous congratulations to Comfortably Smug and Josh Holmes for becoming number one in Apple Podcast. Even though we started earlier, we got to give props to those that have done the work and will continue to do the work. It's a good thing to see these types of podcasts that are willing to Test the grounds of all the liberal orthodoxy all across the board, whether if it's Razor Fence, whether if it's Ruthless Podcasts, whether if it even is some of the other liberals ones, such as the Warner and other particulars, because none of this shit they're doing right now is working with the liberals now. You see it with all the crooked media. I mean, fuck. Pod Save America loses to this podcast, Ruthless Podcast. Come on now. They call themselves Cooking Media. You just call yourself Pod Save America. You deserve to lose to Ruthless Podcast because guess what? They are ruthless. That's all I got to say. Congratulations to Crawford Small again, Josh Holmes. Speaking of which, next week we will have our regular schedule programming as well and everything that I stated before. Thank you for listening to this important episode of Beyond This Earth. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Radio Republic, Student on Stitcher, 
soon on Greenhouse, soon on Clubhouse, soon on Stereo App, and wherever you get your radio shows. Take care of yourselves, stay safe, and we'll see you next time on Beyond This Earth. Beyond This Earth is a Gothic production.